All right. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Uh, today, we have a guest on the show by the name of Christy Holt, the happiness hussy, as she likes to call herself. Um, <laughs> go ahead and introduce yourself, Christy, to the uh, to the folks. Thanks, Bryson. Yeah, I do call myself the happiness hussy. And the reason that I call myself a happiness hussy is essentially because I'm on a mission to spread happiness across the world. And it sort of came about by accident, actually. Uh, my cousin sort of teasingly said to me, like, oh, you happiness hussy, you. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, I am. And I kind of just claimed it mm -hmm. and ran with it. So, yeah, here we are. <laughs> That's what's up. I like that. I was gonna. I was wondering where did this happiness hussy come from? Did you call yourself that, or it come from a friend, or maybe yeah, fans of the she, podcast just started calling you that over time? She just jokingly one day said it, and I'm like, I'm gonna run with this one because it totally fits <laughs> my mission. I already had my podcast uh, called Create Your Happy, and prior to that, I had been calling myself a happiness coach, which. I don't think anybody knew what that was, but it wasn't intriguing mm. enough for anybody to ask really either. So <laughs> I think the switch over to happiness hussy definitely has created a little bit more intrigue. Everybody wants to know what the hell is a happiness hussy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. After listening to a few of your episodes, um, I realized I could have used a podcast like yours at that time, mm. back in the day, before I met my new wife, um, I was in a very, very torn down spot with my previous marriage. and. Um, I've, the, out of the episodes I've listened to of yours, like a lot of them really hit home for a lot of the ways I felt. Um, so, um, yeah, you uh, you definitely got a good message going there. And, uh, you know, appreciate that. Yeah, uh, what I, what I do you really feel like? Uh, huh? I, just, I really want to share it, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I'm going to let you share some of it because I want to know, like, where did this all begin? Your path to happiness and spreading this good message to people? Well, you know, I think I've always been a pretty happy, you know, glass half full kind of person. But the real change came in me when I realized that I was the center of all of my problems. And I had this sort of like, holy shit moment, you know, I like to say like channeling a little Taylor Swift, like I'm the problem, it's me. And I had this like, oh my goodness, I was in a relationship where I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And instead of looking at myself, I was doing a lot of finger pointing and blaming and waiting for other things outside of myself to change. And now I look back and I'm like, oh my God, Christy, what were you like? What, what were you thinking was going to come out of that? But when we're in that survival mode space, we literally don't see what's, what's right there and what might be so obvious when we're now looking back. So I look back to that version of myself with just an incredible amount of self-compassion and love for knowing I was doing what I, what I could with the resources and understanding that I had at the time. And, you know, I, I really, really want to help people who are in that sort of situation or even people who are in a good relationship, but want to take it up a couple more notches to make it absolutely freaking amazing. Right. Because I think, yeah life is all about relationships. And I, on the podcast, I speak a lot about relationships, but I want to clarify that this applies to all the kinds of relationships that you have, because I, I'm talking about very core ideas that don't just affect romantic relationships. 
They're going to also affect your family relationships, the relationship you have with your kids, the relationship you have with your friends, your coworkers, and even beyond that, your relationships to food, your body, to money, right? To the political landscape or to the world at large. And so these principles are, I believe, truly transformative in all areas of life. But what's what's life without relationships? I mean, we're on this journey and we're doing this this experience called life, but we're not meant to do it alone. We're meant to have, you know, healthy, happy relationships to support us along the way. I um I know I saw how you said you were a fitness coach at one point as well. Um I've always related those two to each other, health and health and fitness and your mental relationship your relationship with people overall. I don't think people understand how much that really plays a role in a lot of things. So Yeah. I agree. I think a lot of people are very disconnected in that they're either, you know, not aware of their body or they've, you know, maybe disassociated from their body in some way or another, uh, probably as a response to some sort of trauma, whether it be big T or small T, you know, trauma of some sort that wasn't fully processed, or we can be really out of touch with our emotions, which essentially are our, our body. Right. And so there are so many ways that reconnecting with your physical being can really help you to reconnect with your entire being, you know, your, your mind, your body, your soul, or your heart or your spirit or whatever you want to call it. But this entire being that is you and really trying to bring that into harmony requires we take a look at all of those pieces. And yeah, I started Mm -hmm. as a health coach and, uh, uh, to be honest, I kind of got sick and fucking tired of diet culture and, um, and, and this whole, yes, yes. <laughs> the whole idea of, um, you know, oh, I just want to lose 20 or 30 pounds because, you know, what it's actually not about the, the lose the 20 or 30 pounds. It never actually is about the number on the scale. The number doesn't matter. What you're seeking is what you truly want is you know, what you think will come as a result of that. So, you know, I've worked with clients where, yeah, they they initially told me, yeah, I'd really like to lose 20, 30 pounds, whatever the number is. But when we dig deeper, it's because they don't think that they can create the life of their dreams unless they have this, this perfect vessel. And, you know, a lot of my work there was really undoing some of that diet culture bullshit and uh, really helping them to understand that what they're seeking doesn't require that. Not only that, but the truth is we only have this now moment. And so if you continue to push your happiness and your peace and your joy and your experience of life out into some future, guess what? The future never comes. It's only ever experienced in the now. And so learning to experience those things and bring them into your now moment allows you to experience those things so much more quickly and uh, it really puts you back in the driver's seat. It empowers you to start creating the life that you truly want right now, not in six months once you lose 20 pounds, but right here, right yeah. now, today. And uh, hello, who doesn't want that? They we all want to start <laughs> creating the life of our dreams, you know, yesterday, actually. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I always hated the word diet. I yeah. hate hearing it. People will... People will message me because I'm, I'm much into fitness, too. And they'll message me like, what kind of diet are you on? I was like, first of all, I'm not on a diet. Uh, yeah. It's my nutrition. <laughs> yeah. I like to use the word nutrition. You need to get your nutrition right, not get your diet right, because diets end. Nutrition yeah. is lifelong and it's yeah. a lifestyle. If you get yourself into a healthy place with food, 
you will yeah. be healthier overall. It's about being healthy, your relationship with food, not trying to, oh, well, I can only eat like a rabbit. I got to eat salad mm -hmm. and shit all day. Like, bro, I eat whatever I want and I'm yeah. still in great shape for a 35 year old man. I'm yeah. still pretty strong for a 35 year old man. And I, and I'm happier as well. And I know when I, when I first met my, my new wife now, I, um, I didn't work out a lot. I wasn't in the gym and I was depressed a lot during the day is that working out gets so much bad stress and negative energy off your body. It's like, you can't be focused on, like you said, losing, I always want to lose 20 pounds. We need to get your relationship right with the gym because obviously there's more going on so, 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 so that you can be happy with yourself. So definitely yeah. that's, I mean, I get what and you the mean word diet also includes the word die, which is ironic because yeah. it literally feels like you're dying a little on the inside every time you have to say no to all of the things that make life worth living, right? So mm -hmm. instead of, just like you said, instead of creating this barrier of like, well, I can't have that and I can't have this, uh, you're not going to stick with that. Like, let's just be brutally fucking honest. If you set yourself up in that way, you're not going to have lasting results because you're not going to be able to stick with that long term. So, you know, without going on a whole um, weight loss and health body tangent here, you know, it's really not about any of that. It's about actually creating sustainable small baby steps. And the problem is if we don't see, you know, if we're focused too much on the outcomes, like the number on the scale, we, we very quickly lose motivation. Humans are all about convenience. We want to see those results like yesterday. And so it's really yeah. hard for us under that mindset when we're so focused on the outcome to stick with anything, especially if it's hard. Yes. We, we humans, we don't like <laughs> the hard things. We avoid them at all costs. No. And we um, definitely if our no. identity isn't lined up with that, like for example, if you're someone who says, well, I don't really go to the gym. It's going to be really hard for you to be someone who goes to the gym consistently if that's your mindset around it, which actually is mm -hmm. why I kind of expanded away, not away from, but expanded out from just the health coaching piece of it, because the mindset was actually what I was discovering was so much more important than the, the mechanics of the nutrition and of the, the exercises. So you can really literally get results doing almost any exercise plan, almost any nutrition plan, if it's the right fit for you and you can stick with it for the long term. That's the, that's the secret. It is the baby Man. small steps that feel like they're not anything that actually allow you to continue going long enough to get those results. And yeah. motivation doesn't come before that like that's that just that's not how it fucking works. Like you don't sit on the couch and wait <laughs> to be motivated to make change. You start doing the things and the motivation follows. And the, the same thing is true of clarity. A lot of people think I need to figure it all out. I need to have a map from A to Z before I start taking action. Mm -mm. The truth is the clarity doesn't come before you start. Yeah. It comes as you are taking action. So take those small steps. Everything will become more clear. You'll find that motivation and you're going to get those results because it's going to be easier to stick with it if you just take it slow. I'm that guy. I, I always felt like I got to have A to Z planned out before yeah. I can do anything. I had the, I, I kind of had the same, yeah, I kind of had the same, same mindset also, even with beginning this podcast, I was yeah. like, well, I can't do it until I get this and I got to have this and I got to have this. And then one day I was just like, let's just get on the computer and press record. That's it. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, there's a YouTube channel I watched it. That's his motto. Just press record. 
Yeah. And that's what I did. I just started talking. People listen, they listen. They don't, they don't. But we all got to start somewhere. You know, same thing I did with the gym. I went in there and I looked stupid for a few weeks. But eventually, you know, you get familiar, you get comfortable, and you realize nobody really is looking at you. They don't no. care what you're doing. Because now I'm yeah. the experienced guy, and I'm not looking at no, I don't give a damn what you're doing. I'm yeah. worried about what I'm doing. So I mean, oh, that's that's something that everyone can take out into their life is that honestly, I mean this in the best possible way, nobody else gives a shit. Like, they do. They care. Mm. They love you. But... <laughs> They don't give a shit about all of the little things that you think they care so much about. They are they over don't. there worrying about their own insecurities and their own, you know, whatever, not non-clarity or non-motivate. They're not looking at you and watching your every move because they're way more concerned with, with themselves. That's just the way humans are. And so with the, with the most love, I say other people really don't give a shit. So let that free you from having to impress or please anyone else. They just really don't care as much as you think they do. No, they don't. They do not. So <laughs> being that both both of us have, uh, you've had a previous marriage, you said, right? I have actually been married and divorced two times. Uh, oh. I'm a champion at this point. But uh, <laughs> very luckily now I have actually found uh, a truly incredible partner, someone who, you know, we've been together five and a half years. And actually yesterday... We, I just happened to sort of add this up because we were talking a couple of weeks ago and realized that we have now been together for 2000 days. And nice. to be honest, so it was about five and a half years or so. And to be honest, it's been the best 2000 days, maybe out of my entire 45 years. And it's not because he's a perfect person. It's not because, you know, things are perfect at all in any way. It's because we accept ourselves as humans. It's because we both come to the relationship whole, not expecting the other person to fulfill, you know, those, those deep seated needs. Although we do that for each other very much, but there's a different energy when it's not an expectation, right? When you're not looking to someone else to validate your every move then that validation is like the icing on top of the cake instead of like this desperate need. And that, I, I swear, that just changes everything. You know, when we first had got together, we sort of disagreed that we would stay together as long as we were both this happy together. So we were just like so fucking happy together at the beginning. And we still are. We just agreed. Like if we're ever to the point where we're not, either one of us is not feeling it like, the most loving thing to do would be to let the other person go, right? There is zero reason to stay in a relationship where you have to drag or convince someone or even to get into a relationship for that matter. Although, oh my gosh, <laughs> we do that all the time. Do we not? We like fit ourselves into a tiny box and like, hope yeah. and pray, oh my gosh, I hope he likes me. Um, it's, it's just a, a bad approach to find someone who truly accepts you for who you are. And this is part of the problem that I got into with my second marriage. Uh, the first one actually was a very, very, very kind guy. We were really like best friends. Uh, turned out he was gay though. So that, uh, that mm. took a little turn. Uh, that was, feels like lifetimes ago, to be honest, because that was more than 20 years ago since we split up. And um, now I realize I'm really aging myself. I turned 45 yesterday. I'm okay with it. Um, oh. <laughs> and then the, the second relationship, honestly, I wouldn't have thought you were 45, by the way, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I am. Um, 
uh, aging gracefully. Forget all of those anti-aging bullshit stories too. I think there's something beautiful about aging. It's a privilege, uh, not a punishment. So uh, that's where I stand on aging. But uh, the second relationship, I don't know what the fuck went wrong. I really started wearing a lot of masks. I think it was my biological clock was ticking. And I was feeling this pressure as I was approaching. I think we got together when I was about 27 or 28, probably 28. And so I how just, young were you like, when you were uh, in your first marriage? How When did you guys get married? Uh, I was like 22. Uh, he was sort of my high school sweetheart. And we were together for six years, got married. And one year into the marriage was when he uh, lovingly dropped the bomb. And actually, it went something like, we're kind of like Will and Grace. That's what he said. And I was like, yeah, okay, I get that we're feeling a little roommate vibe. But like, Will is gay. Mm. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, Hey. Actually, what popped into my mind, uh, my favorite <laughs> my favorite movie maybe of all time is The Wedding Singer. And so in my mind, I'm like, that would have been useful information to know yesterday, <laughs> you know, like from that yeah. movie. Um, I honestly, I, I don't have any ill feelings toward him. I really just think he, he wasn't willing or ready to admit it to himself until that point. And so, you know, I, what, what can you do, right? I... I definitely waffled yeah, for a little while. It, it sent me for a loop for a bit, but I realized in the end, it really didn't have anything to do with me. So, yeah. Without without getting too much in your business, was that <laughs> not, was there any, there was never no vibe of that? I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And when you look back, you'd be like, well, he really did like Moulin Rouge. And you know, like there were a few sort of like quasi tell things, maybe, but yeah, like we were just like the best of friends. And mm. um, without getting also too much into the business, like we were intimate for most of that time. So it wasn't like so obvious the entire time that mm. uh, you know I was like, oh, I should have known. But in hindsight, you look back and you're like, okay, yeah, there were some clues, maybe. Okay. And I cried on so the floor would... for a good period of time. And then I dust myself off and carried on with life and relationship. I would feel like hearing something like that as a woman would make you feel like, damn, am I that bad that he has to like men now? Or was it yeah. me? Like what? You know, the the thoughts very quickly went through my mind, but I, I really realized that actually, you know, without airing any of his dirty laundry, it was just that he wasn't willing to accept. It wasn't new information to him either. I, I think he just wasn't until that point ready to fully claim that. I mean, he had been brought up Catholic. I think he was, you know, I'm putting words maybe into his mouth, but I think he was pretty worried that his parents wouldn't accept him. And there was just a lot, you know, this is 20 years ago. So... This is not nearly as maybe okay to to come out as as it is now. Oh, yeah. and like thank God for that. That it is easier for people to be themselves now. Um, so mm -hmm. uh, I really I'm grateful for the lessons that I learned, and yeah, even though it was difficult, and I, I think I learned even more lessons in my next marriage because, as I said, <laughs> I went in and I was really. I'm honestly not sure who I went in as because partway through the relationship, I was like, who the fuck am I even anymore? I completely lost myself trying to keep up. And part of it was having a, having a family. I had, th had three boys. They were, you know, all I had three boys within three years. And so I was, 
definitely like jumped all feet and limbs and everything all the way full into motherhood. Uh, I refer mm -hmm. to that phase of life as, you know, suffering from just a momitis because there was definitely <laughs> a good chunk of time where I didn't know who I was as an individual. I, I was, you know, my kid's mother. I was a wife. I was a homemaker. I was a few other things. But if someone was to ask me, like, Christy, who are you? I'd be like, I'd be listing all of those things. And none of those things are really truly who I was. They were just labels that I had taken on and roles that I had taken on. And a lot of it was for validation, for acceptance from the world. And I think at, at the core of being a human being is this longing, this desire to be loved and accepted, right? To find belonging, to find purpose. And so a lot of us will do a lot of things that actually aren't in alignment for ourselves in pursuit of those things. And so when I went into the relationship, uh, I, I wasn't totally myself. I definitely was in that camp of who do I need to be to get this person to, to like and accept me so that I can feel like I belong. Right. And it, I don't think it was remotely as, as conscious as I'm reflecting that now. So if you're out there listening, like, well, I would never, well, on an unconscious yeah. level, uh, I bet there are things because I see people a lot of times like, oh, like, you know, wanting to put your best foot forward. Okay. That's, mm -hmm. that's fine to an extent, but there is a point at which now you're, you're not really being authentically yourself. You're like posturing yourself to appear in a certain way. Right. And it's a fine line. It can be really tricky to navigate. But the truth is, if you don't allow yourself to show up authentically as you yes with your faults with your quirks with your quote-unquote weaknesses with all of the the parts that you're like oh my gosh like I fart too like all of these things that maybe you're trying to <laughs> pretend don't exist right like everybody yeah. poops like why well, I'm trying to hide this fact so, like we're all human we all have these things um but we try so desperately to hide away those things um you know maybe we're ashamed of them and so even if it's not a conscious choice we're, we're trying to put our best self forward. And sometimes that leads to us putting forward a bit of a self that's not totally authentically ourselves. And what happens when we are not showing up as ourselves is we miss the mark on feeling that love and acceptance for being who we are. Because there's this little gap where you've always got this sort of like niggling thought, like if they, if they really knew my deep, dark secrets, they might not feel the same way about me. They might not accept me. I might not be loved in the same way. They might abandon me, right? Yeah. And so some of those old wounds keep us perpetuating this, this, you know, appearance, not even appearance, but like this illusion of perfection that we're trying to obtain. And as a result, we don't actually get the very thing that we're after, which is that unconditional love and acceptance. And we all deserve that. But we got to really, yeah. truly go up and be our, our whole ass human selves <laughs> in order to really be able to receive that. Mm -hmm. I know uh, when I met my now wife, she was uh, very afraid to let herself be who she wanted to be because she's been left so many times from <laughs> showing how much stress she has, her anxiety, her bit of depression she deals with. And I come in and I and I tell her this, too, is like, I don't think, honestly, I would have been able to deal with it if I had not been married for 10 years yeah. and had to deal with so much in that. It, it allowed me to be able to accept a person for their faults. Because yeah. before, I, I, I'm pretty sure I wasn't. And I was judging. I was very judgmental. And I had to realize I'm not perfect either. 
No, none of us are perfect. So, but I, I'm, and she still struggles with it a bit, trying to let herself be. I still feel like to this day, four years in, she still holds a little bit of herself in and doesn't want to let it out. And I'm the most, I'm the most loving guy to her. Like I, I've, because I've also opened up to her on a level I haven't never opened up to any woman yeah. before. You know, she sees my tears, she sees my vulnerability, she sees all my weaknesses, and she loves me. And I love yeah. her unconditionally too, even though she goes through, I see her, her overwhelmed face and her expressions. She's so tired and she's hurting on the inside and all. I see it all. I'm like, woman, I, I still love you. You can let it all out. I'm going nowhere. So, yeah. it, but I guess it's really hard to get to that place, especially too, when I know she grew up in a family that didn't show much emotion and all that. And I know I, I had to know that that's like, that's normal for her. This is what she yeah. grew up as. Yeah. She does not know how to express herself in that way because she's always been told not to express herself in that way. And I think that's but. true of so many people because truthfully, I don't know anybody out there who wasn't told as a toddler to like tone that shit down, right? You know, like our, our tantrums. And that was, that was I still say it to my kids. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, that's our expression. And it's so hard to stick with that because it's uncomfortable. And so many of us just haven't been taught the skills to sit with those uncomfortable emotions. I, I don't think that it's like anybody can achieve perfection in this because we're human and we are, uh, we're dealing with a lot of different things all at once, right? We've got, you know, our, our, for our own lens, first of all, the things that we believe, which create our perception of reality. We've got our, our current emotions, whatever might be going on. We've got our physiological things like, did we have enough sleep last night? Did we, are we hangry? Like there's so many factors that go into this <laughs> that I don't know that anyone has it quite perfect yet. And that's not actually the goal anyways. So, you know, I truly believe that all people are at, at their core. They are good. They are, they are essentially love. And what we, what we ought to do is not seek the things that we want to become, because we actually already are that person at our core. What we need to do is strip away the things that are not us, those beliefs that we took on that were not true, those you know filters that we've added into our life that are not serving us, those identities that we took on that probably served us at one point in time, but are maybe actually acting to our detriment at this point in time. And so there's a lot of things that we can do, but it's not about like doing the things to become someone else. It's actually about stripping away those things that were never us to begin with, to come back to who we always were at the very beginning. And I wanted to just add too that all judgment is essentially self-judgment, right? If you're, even if you think you're looking at that person over there and judging that person, it's an insecurity of your own coming out that if you didn't have that insecurity, you would just observe like, oh, that's that person's made that choice, right? There would be no emotional connection to it. There would really be no big judgment. It would just be simply an observation. This is something that I talk to my kids a lot about because, well, teenagers can be pretty judgmental, let's be honest. And so uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have four of them between my partner and I have my three and, a, and also a bonus son. And so they are all, they're between 13 and 17, basically. And Oh, it's a wild ride, I'm telling you. But the the whole thing about discovering who you truly are is 
ultimately wading through all of the stuff the world has told you that you ought to be, right? To stop shooting all over yourself, to stop taking on identities that don't really resonate, they're not really authentic to you, and to let go of the idea of, you know, getting this validation from outside of yourself. Now, like I said, it's very nice to receive validating, you know, comments and such from other people. But if you don't need that, you receive it in a whole different way, right? If that's not like something that you're like crippled without, you actually are open to receive it in a whole new way. And the same thing is true with love. You can receive love. Absolutely. Even if you don't love yourself, you know, you're still worthy. You're still deserving. You can still receive it. But I tell you what, if you learn how to love yourself, you will receive that love in a completely new way. It will be like mind blowing yes. when you yes, receive yes. that unconditional love in that way. But it does start with building that relationship with yourself to build that love with and for yourself, because that's what the, the opening is for you to start receiving really is. I, I truly believe that too. I think if my, and I've had, I've had a very intimate conversation with my wife about that before is that I think if you, I think you have a problem, an issue with loving yourself enough to really know how to receive it from me. Like the, the, the way I love you is totally different than you ever had. And you don't, you yeah. just don't know how to respond because you, I mean, you don't know how to love yourself completely at this point, I don't think, but she, she's really improved a lot over the years. So I'm really happy with her growth and uh, yeah, she's getting there. She's getting there. It's such an interesting journey of life, honestly. Yeah, it is. Um, you mentioned the insecurities. I know my my insecurities. I would say would pro was probably the biggest downfall of my previous marriage because that's what beat me up so much. I moved. Yeah. I know I moved from Mississippi to come up to Massachusetts and be with her. Out of joint, out of um, I met her in the military in basic training, and I came up here to be with her, and um. So I had to restart my whole life, friends, family, job, everything. Um, but we got to a point where I, I just wasn't finding that kind of work I wanted. So I'm feeling like less of a man in a way mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I don't have the job I want. I don't, I'm not making the money I want. I'm not able to provide the way I want. And she got to a point where she started making a little more money than me. And I let that really bother me. I think that was the beginning of the, the end. When yeah. I started really letting that get under my skin. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I got to, it took a long time to get over that. I did, but it was too late by that point anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we ended up divorcing over uh, different reasons, but I know for a fact that's where it began. When I started lashing out on her because sh she's moving better in her life than I was moving in my life. And we're supposed to be a team. And I wasn't looking at it like that. I was just like, well, I'm a man. I'm the man. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to be that. And I'm not yeah. any of that. So yeah, it's so tough when you end up almost pitted against each other in a sort of like mm. me versus you. Like, ugh, like that is such a bad place to be yeah. in, in any kind of relationship. And the truth is it doesn't work anywhere in life. Because even with the whole mm. world, we are, it's not us versus them. That's what's dividing the world. It's fucking religion it's fucking politics it's all the things are so divisive and it's all based on an untruth because it's not us versus them it's humanity as a whole we are all one and the more we can get on board with this understanding that we're not 
I mean, yes, we're individuals, we're individual pieces of the whole, right? And when we can start to look at humanity as a whole, that we are individuated pieces of that, things would really shift. Like if, if everyone understood that it's not us versus them, it's, it's like, you're my arm, you're my leg, you're, we're all pieces of this whole universe. We wouldn't have war like we do, right? We wouldn't have so much suffering. We would happily accept the people who see things differently than us because fuck life would be so boring if we all just felt and saw and experienced everything the same way. So yep. instead of looking to other people and saying, well, you're, you're wrong and that's wrong. And I don't agree. <clears throat> like if we just like how interesting that someone sees it so very differently, I wonder what they might have experienced to have brought them to this place. Like it really removes a lot of that judgment and as I say, all judgment is ultimately self-judgment. So if we can come to this place, we will really truly free ourselves from a prison of our own making that says, I'm not good enough. I have to be right. You know, this, this whole idea of, you know, having everything line up with our beliefs is, is a trap of suffering. And if we can let go of that, we will truly find so much more peace and freedom in this life. Uh, I got like, it's so hard to see it when you're kind of stuck in it though. And I do recognize that because we are as a humanity trapped in a lot of suffering. We're in survival mode most of the time. And, you know, we've evolved in such a way that has kind of perpetuated the survival mode thinking. And so instead of thinking clearly with our full brain capacity, we're operating sort of on this like fight or flight, like how do I react? And we're not, we're not taught some of these things. We're not taught how to communicate very well in school, I, I don't think, uh, especially not those deep, vulnerable, intimate conversations, because in school, we're taught to sit still and shut the hell up and obey what the teacher says, right? And not color outside the lines and not ask the, the hard questions and not challenge the, the information as it stands, right? So there's a lot of these systems in place that that do perpetuate us staying kind of stuck in a box instead of allowing us to express our full curiosity, express our full authenticity to go out and create the experience that we truly want in our heart. The, you know, whatever lights us on fire uh, is what we're meant to be doing and experiencing. And it's just really a shame that so many of us are stuck in the survival mode. We don't see that what's possible. We don't see those choices, those options. When we're in the overwhelm, we, we literally, our brain is designed to keep us safe at all costs, right? Like that's what it's all about. So it's just like zones in everything else, all the other possibilities and opportunities off the table, out of sight, out of mind, not filtered in because we are just surviving. And so unfortunately, when we're in that mode, we're we're like on power save mode, uh, all, all efficiency mode is on. And so we're not seeing the immense amount of possibility or opportunity that lies just beyond. And the, the way to move through that is actually quite simple. Uh, I'm not going to say it's easy because when we're in it, it sure doesn't fucking feel easy. It feels like impossible, but with a few simple tricks in your toolbox. And actually this is largely what my first book unstuck for women is about. And by the way, uh, I market it to women, but like we're humans. So these <laughs> tips work for everybody. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Just women only kind of tricks and tips, but if we can build a toolbox, not while we're in the crisis, when we're in the crisis, like literally the worst fucking time at all to try and s save ourselves when we're not in the crisis, if we can build a toolbox of resources 
things we can call up as a, like by habit almost so that when we you know, approach those moments, we have those challenges. We just be like, Oh yeah. Right. Uh, maybe 10 breaths, right? Maybe smiling at yourself in the mirror, maybe giving yourself like some loving touch. And I know some of these things, people are probably like, Oh my God, as if like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, but just allow yourself to be a little uncomfortable with new things, right? Because the thing is you get so comfortable and complacent with what's working or, you know, what you think is like, well, this is what I do now. And so you don't stop to question, well, is it really working? And sometimes those new tips and tricks feel uncomfortable. It's just because it's new. Sometimes you got to just do the uncomfortable shit. Tell yourself, I love you. Look into your eyeballs in the mirror. Tell yourself, I love you. You know, it's things like that. I'd be like, oh, that's so awkward. I don't know if I can feel like um, Stuart Smalley. I like myself. Gosh darn it. People like me or whatever. <laughs> I, I can't even remember what the affirmations were. But I know people feel silly doing these things because it's just not something that they've ever done before. I, I assure you, you probably have felt silly doing plenty of things the first few times that you did them. Like you going to the gym feels awkward. Yeah. feels uncomfortable. Don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Kind of just winging it. And then before <laughs> you know stupid. it, right? <laughs> before you know it, all of a sudden you're like, okay, no, the confidence is coming. Now I've done this a little bit. I know what to expect. Mm -hmm. I know how to do it. And it doesn't feel so weird anymore. And it just feels no. natural. And so I invite you to, you know, try on a couple of new weird kind of things that can actually help you shift out of that survival mode. If that's something that you continuously find yourself in, uh, I invite you to reach out. I'd be happy to share some stuff. You know, a meditation uh, was a lifesaver for me. And so because I'm a little bit sweary, uh, happiness has as I am, um, <laughs> I actually even created a series of three free meditations. Uh, they're, they're sweary AF. Uh, they're not your grandma's own shanty kind of meditations. There is, they're just quickies. Who doesn't like a quickie, right? Um, so right, just, let's go. I know, right? <laughs> and so I created these, this little series of three short meditations. You know, take out of your mind if you're immediately already. I'm talking about meditation. You're like, ugh, meditation. Sure, like as if I can shut my mind down or as if I can sit. Quiet. Don't worry, you don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is listen for five minutes. It's not about shutting your brain off. It's not about sitting perfectly still. It's about carving out the time for you and doing something a little bit different than you've done before. And so that's something I would love to share the link with your audience for, for those sweary meditations, if that's something that they want to check out. They're just super fun. Definitely. And, um, you know, one of them, we just have like, instead of like a ohm, which is like, you know, people be like, oh, that's some kind of like spiritual woo woo stuff. Uh, we just let a nice big <laughs> fuck. It's very therapeutic. So. <laughs> You know, just throwing a new little twist on uh, a tool that really, really transformed my life and my ability to calm myself in those sticky, icky, mucky, shitty situations where I might have felt mm. really overwhelmed. I might have reacted in a way that I would later not feel very proud of. And it just allowed me to move into a space of responding, which Hello, that's us standing in our power when we can feel the emotions, but not be driven by them and choose our response of how we want to show up instead. That is like so much better than living in the survival mode. And I promise a little bit of discomfort to get there will absolutely be worth it. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I was just having that conversation with my wife last night. Because she's talking about how overwhelmed she feels. I'm telling her, like, do some things that 
relieve stress. Go for a walk, do some yoga, do some light stretching, go for a little workout. I mean, I got bands and stuff around the house. You can all just do anything that take your mind away from this stuff real quick. You know, yeah. listen to music, right? Write in, write in your journal or something. It's anything like my, cause like I told it, my thing is the gym. I go to the gym. You realize I always come back happy. Never in a bad mood when I come back from the gym. Yeah. But I'm in a bad mood before I go. I'm happy when I come home. <laughs> so sometimes it's only yeah. like two minutes is, you know, here's my, if you don't want to do any of the things, but you're okay and willing to look awkward all by yourself in a, in a room behind closed doors, just go ahead and shake your body like you're a lunatic. Because <laughs> I tell you what, just like before. releasing <laughs> that stuff, you know, just give it a good, like, just shake it mm -hmm. all out it allows you to move some of that stagnant energy it creates space for things to flow through and i promise you will end up feeling better than you did at the first you know a minute or two before definitely will definitely will i wanted to ask you this earlier but what are yep. what is something that you have taken from your marriages that you realize is your fault you're doing that you're now brought into this marriage that's making it so wonderful for you? Uh, I would say that the biggest thing was looking looking outside of myself to, to find that fulfillment. And when I started taking responsibility for myself, and that looked a lot of ways. It looked like making excuses. It looked like blaming and pointing fingers and fault finding and, you know, wanting him to change and even sitting around waiting. It looked like feeling guilty instead of actually fucking doing something right like guilt can really be an excuse to not actually do the thing that we should do we just accept that weight of the yeah. guilt instead and we don't actually take action hello i'm guilty uh pun intended but i don't do that to myself anymore because well quite frankly it sucked i felt pretty shitty for quite some time doing all of those things and in this relationship, I don't look to my partner to fulfill those needs. I take care of me. And then what happens is because I'm taking really good care of and loving and accepting myself, there's like an abundance. There's like an overflow of love and acceptance to give to other people. And so by, by natural means, I have a lot more to give. And I think, you know, people use the airplane analogy an awful lot about like, you know, you put your own oxygen mask on first. But people yep. really ought to be applying this to their own life. If you are burnt out, exhausted, resentful, bitter, disappointed all the time, you are in no shape to give, my friend, because you are, you know, <laughs> worn out. You are depleted physically, yeah. emotionally, everything. And and I think that people run up against that because they have such a big heart and because they are kind and loving and want to give and want to generously love on other people around them. But they don't know where to set the boundaries. They're not caring for themselves first. And because, you know, quite frankly, we've been taught, uh, I can't really speak too much to how little boys were taught. I'm sure it's along the same lines. But women were taught as little girls to be nurturing, to be giving, to take care of everyone. And very often that message came through much, much stronger than any other message to be yourself and take care of yourself. It was almost like mm -hmm. you're, you're the last thing. And in fact, it still feels like society thinks that any kind of self-care is almost selfish. And yeah. uh, ugh, that's bullshit. That's total bullshit. And the idea that vulnerability is weakness, I'm just throwing that in there too, because I also think that's complete bullshit because we cannot 
create a life that is authentic and at our max capacity without being vulnerable, right? Like if you are protecting your heart, because yeah, we've been hurt. Uh, I know we all have been. Uh, so my my biological mm-hmm. father left when I was one. I probably didn't even recognize the trauma that that would have caused in my infant brain, not knowing like, oh, well, this person that supposedly loved me is now just gone. Like, how do you yeah. even process that, right? And then we grow up and we we have feelings for someone. They don't reciprocate it. We're like, oof, okay, okay. And then we get into a relationship uh, and then it, it falls apart for some reason or another. And so we start to build walls. And so we're, we're scared to be vulnerable. We think that being vulnerable means risking that level of pain again. And so, you know, if we're not really intentional Definitely. about putting it out there, we will hold it back and then it will prevent us from ever actually experiencing the thing we want most. So it's like a paradox, right? Because we have to be willing to risk it in order to feel and experience that level of intimacy that we truly do desire. And it's not for the faint of heart. It requires an awful lot of courage. Yeah, I know my my co-host, well, my previous co-host who did the show with me, that was his biggest thing about falling in love again. He took so many years off of being single after being married for like 10, 12 years. He just didn't want to be vulnerable again. He didn't want that heartbreak again because I think he told me he either walked in on his wife doing Mm -hmm. the cheating or something close to it and i'm like i can't imagine (laughs) i can't imagine but um i also want wanted to ask you that too like what do you do you think it is just a proper amount of time somebody should wait between being married and being in love to go off and find love again or do you just feel like you know go with Mm -hmm. it i mean if it's there it's there why why brush it off if it's at at your front door Well, let me tell you a little bit about my story because I have basically not been single for more than like a hot minute my entire adult life. And it's partially probably because of this abandonment wound and I didn't like to be alone and all of these things. But this time when I left my previous marriage, I was banned and determined to do things quite differently. I was going to take the time Mm -hmm. for me. I was absolutely unequivocally not looking for anyone or anything. I just wanted to focus on myself. Well, as you can imagine, I met my partner uh, basically immediately. The weekend that my house with my ex-husband sold was the weekend that I met my current partner. And so it was actually very interesting because I was like, oh, hell no. I told him for months, (laughs) I don't even want a relationship. I don't want commitment. I'm not ready. I wanted, to be honest, I wanted to to just be by myself. I want, okay, I was a little bit horny, you know what I mean? But I didn't want to get into anything like long-term. I actually, this time was pretty intent on just figuring out who the fuck I was. Just to say, you know, I don't know if you've heard any of the episodes of this podcast, but you don't have to whisper that (laughs) at all. (laughs) This podcast is very raunchy. People know I'm it's normally a lot raunchier than this. It, it it goes there. But I also like to have real conversations sometimes yeah. too. So yeah, they're used to the word they're used to the word horny. They can they can take it. Yeah, I <laughs> was like bring it for them. I was it's, I like to be dramatic. Yeah. So Okay, okay. Uh, you know, I but in that phase I I think that love finds you when you're least expecting it. And so I don't know mm. if there's a timeline. And I will say that this time I did a lot of work on myself 
before the, the marriage was actually over. Like I started this sort of like journey into myself probably about two years at least before I had gotten to this point. The problem, honestly, a lot of it was that I was continuing to grow and we were on different tracks. We were growing further and further and further apart. And the more that I learned who I was again, the more I could see what was or wasn't in alignment for me, the more I set boundaries and had new standards. Yeah, that that wasn't going over. And it was really challenging. And it just kind of went for, we went, you know, on separate tracks and separate directions for quite some time. And I do remember at one point he said to me something about how, oh, you're always so angry. And I was like, oh no, like I'm so far past angry. Like it would have been better had you caught me while I was still angry because now I am out of fucks to give. And that is that that's the place, the point of no return, right? Like you're like, I'm, I'm so indifferent now. I don't know how we could bring this thing back together. And so I will say that, you know, if I had not been doing all of that work, I don't know if I would have left the relationship in a, in a remotely state of being ready for another one. And I, I didn't, I didn't go out with that intention, but what happened was I didn't need someone else to complete me or whatever bullshit that we've been sold in the movies. Right. I wasn't looking for a fucking fairy tale prince to come and save me. I fucking saved yeah. myself, you know? And so when I, when I left the marriage, I was just like, oh, like a weight has been lifted. I no longer have to, you know, live my life in this box. I felt liberated and free. And so at that point, I was like, why, why would I want another relationship? Like to me, that was exhausting. <laughs> and I'm like, looking yeah. back, I'm like, oh, hell no. Uh, but what I did learn was a lot about boundary setting, a lot about communication, uh, which was really a challenge in that relationship. I discovered actually I'm a very good communicator as it turns out, because my current partner and I had a, a very difficult, challenging conversation early on into this relationship, because I'm over here being like, I don't, I don't want a commitment right now. Like I, that's not, and he was just kind of like, well, I don't really like, like, I really, I see something here, but I also don't like the idea of us being all willy nilly, not committed. And so we had this like really difficult conversation because we were not quite in the same place. And so we had this very uncomfortable conversation, like I'm over here and he's over here. How can we, how can we make this worth? Is, is there something here worth making it work? And honestly, that conversation itself showed us both that we could, we could handle one another's hearts with care, that we could see another's perspective without, without fucking trying to change it without trying to convince them to our side, we could just allow the other person to be, we weren't trying to change each other. We weren't trying to rush anything. And like I said, we just really decided like, as long as we're enjoying each other's company, like let's take it one day at a time. I mean, and here we are 2000 days later and it's still every day is like the best day with him. So, you know, I think that some of those things that I had done to work on myself being whole and complete without needing someone else was actually what really shifted that dynamic because I wasn't desperately seeking someone. I was quite content actually. I was desiring to be by myself for a minute because it felt easier. And at that point, I just honestly wasn't willing to put up with any bullshit from anybody. I learned what my boundaries were and I communicated them 
extremely clearly to him at the beginning. And of course, they looked like things like, uh, I will not tolerate being sworn at under any circumstance. I don't care if we're in an argument. I will not tolerate it. It will be the last argument that we have if you start to swear at me. And he was just like, oh my God, like, like, of course I like, why would I do that? Right. And it was like responses like that. And I was just like, oh shit, I found a good one. Okay. So I'm like trying to be single. And I'm like, Dang. like, he's just so sweet. And he has like this huge heart. And um, yeah, I, I couldn't resist myself. Ironically enough, that's one of the things I told myself I won't do to the next woman I'm with. I will not be swearing at her because I know, and I don't want to throw all the blame on her, but my ex had a very snippy mouth and mm -hmm. I would just take it, take it, take it. I was showing no backbone. And eventually it just led to me fighting back one day and I couldn't, and I couldn't turn it off at that point. It was always, what the fuck? Shut the fuck up. Leave me the fuck alone. And I just yeah. telling her how the fuck I felt. And yeah, she eventually she the one that started to calm down and now I'm replacing her. Now I'm the asshole and <laughs> she's tired of me talking to her like that. I was like, so I know me and my me and my current mm -hmm. wife now, we've probably had two arguments in four years that led to us swearing at each other. I think that's good compared to the four years I have with the other one, which I, I lost count <laughs> on yeah. how many times we swore I mean, at each other. So it's all about that intention, right? And I think yeah. If you're willing to recognize that you ha have struggled with something and are willing to set the intention to do better at that thing, to make it right when there is, uh, you know, a glitch and, you know, we fall off the intention for a minute. It's everything about that intention of bringing it back and saying like, okay, let's, let's course correct that. That's not how yeah. I wanted to show up. Like, it's okay. We're humans. Like we're going <clears> to <throat> make mistakes from time to time. And so if we're willing to <clears throat> accept that and acknowledge like, ah, I fucked up. like it's okay yeah. right and this is the thing that we're trying to teach the kids too because like there's so much pressure to show up especially in high school it's like a lot of pressure to show up and get the the marks that you want to get to get you know all the things it's like it's mm. okay to fuck up it like it really is okay like you know it we is. actually want to be your safe your safe landing spot and i want that to be that for my partner and i'm so grateful that he is that for me too and Honestly, I feel like it's easier to like you fuck up less when you actually know you have a safe landing space because you're actually willing to try the things and try a little bit differently and be a little bit more vulnerable. And it actually allows mm -hmm. you to grow as a person and evolve and instead of repeating those old patterns. So it's it's truly a gift when you can find someone who can hold that safe space for you to say, like, you know what? We're all humans. We, we're going to fuck up from time to time. And uh, as long as we don't continue in that pattern of doing the same thing over and over. We can course correct exactly. it and move forward and learn and grow from it. Golden. Yeah. I'm very, very good now at I'll I'll know that I said something out of turn to her. And wouldn't even be swearing. It's just you didn't you shouldn't have said that to her. Go back and apologize. Like I'll go and apologize minutes later. Like, you know what? The way I just said that to you, that was kind of mean. I meant it like this, and I'm sorry for coming off at you like that. Yeah. I feel like that's that those those little moments are are big in the overall marriage and i think more people need to realize that too it sounds speaking like you and your man oh go ahead yeah i was gonna say speaking of intentions one of the intentions that my partner and i sat set at the beginning was that we would just give each other the benefit of the doubt like we're gonna be humans we're probably gonna be cranky at some point in time and so just to never assume that the other person's trying to be an asshole and if you go in with yeah. this sort of you know this this level of 
believing that the person is not not on, not on a base level an asshole all the time, you can give them that little bit of grace when they might say something that comes off wrong. And a lot of times we'll say or do something not even realizing it. Just kind of like you said, like sometimes maybe after you realize it, but in the moment, maybe you don't even quite see it. And sometimes it's just the way that the other person is interpreting it. But if we both go in with this sort of baseline assumption that we love each other, that we want what's best for each other, and that we want to clearly communicate with each other, then we eliminate a lot of the like escalation, right? Because then if someone says something a little snarky, you'd be like, oh, like you okay? Instead of like, escalating and taking up a notch right and like retaliating or or you know reacting just be like oh that was that was kind of unlike you like what did you mean by that and oftentimes it's just like a matter of asking the question like oh that's actually not what i meant at all i wasn't even talking to you right like something silly like that yeah but uh, having that base assumption that like we love each other and we don't mean to at all be disrespectful or hurtful to one another at any point in time even if we are in a mood and so you know we have 2000 days we have not had a fight we have disagreed about things because we're two different humans but we've never had a fight like we've never had a never yelled at each other we've never had a big argument and and this is probably because of you know past relationships teaching us a lot about what that does not help anything uh that actually yeah. drives the edge. <laughs> And so, yeah, previous marriage will teach you a lot <laughs> every time, right? And yeah. so, coming in with that wisdom and that knowledge of like, okay, well, I ooh, that did not work. What can mm -hmm. we do differently? And you know, asking questions, uh, not making assumptions are two really huge things that allow us just to remain curious and open, which allow us to have more empathy and more deeper connection and be more vulnerable with our partners. And that's how we create the real intimacy that I think that we all are really ultimately looking for in life is by showing up, by being a bit vulnerable, by asking questions, by remaining open and curious, by being on the same team in, in all things. That is really ultimately going to create the relationships that we desire as opposed to any kind of us versus them or I, I must be right at all times. Like, I I know we've all fallen into those traps because we're human and it's part of like the human process to go through it and start mm -hmm. to learn that some of us just fall into different traps than others. So starting to recognize those patterns, you can start freeing yourself from it and, and truly start creating with intention. That's where your freedom really comes from. Yeah, I think I would say communication and understanding are two of the biggest things to go into a marriage with. It seems like you and your husband have that, uh, so I would assume that's that uh, is a big reason for your two thousand days of happiness, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you just remain open and curious instead of making assumptions, honestly, you remove like ninety nine percent of conflict, right? Because asking questions instead of making assumptions and going off and create we do what we do when we make assumptions is we go off and create a whole fucking story in our head. Right. By the time yes. we get back to them, we actually are so pissed. It's like when you wake up from a dream where some shit went down and you're pissed in real life, but it's actually yeah. not reality. It actually isn't reflecting at all of what's happened. It's just the story that you can be creating. If, if you remain open and curious instead, if you ask questions and have an open dialogue about what, what does that mean? Uh, what, tell me more about what's, what's going on. Tell me more about your thought process, you know, Tell me, tell me more about what you're feeling right now. Any of these kind of questions open the dialogue instead of 
attacking because we're telling ourselves a story and like they're they're this and they're that like that doesn't serve anyone and uh ask me how i know because i did that for a number of years uh so many so many stories honestly uh i'm a storyteller all up in my head for sure and (laughs) i'll tell you what it's a lot more spacious up in here up in up in the noggin without all of those stories there's a lot more a lot more peace and freedom now that i'm not doing that yeah i like to i like to periodically do a what i call my check-in with the wife and ask how's everything going are you happy are you satisfied is there anything that i can be doing better to make your life better or to make things easier around the home i feel like that's a good thing to do i didn't do that in my last relationship and I should have, because if I checked yeah. in more often, I would have known what I need to do to, to fix this. Or if I'm not fixing it, obviously I don't care. But because I know we we took uh, we did like group family pictures in December and she asked for a divorce New Year's Eve. <laughs> so <laughs> that's like why <laughs> someone there, there, something was wrong there. I mean, we were, she was, we were lying to each other, pretending to still love each other or something, or pretending to try to make this work. But New Year's Eve, something just clicked in her head. She called me. No, I called her and she gave me like a five minute rant and said, I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) Like, okay. Mentally, I kind of had checked out anyway, but I didn't expect it either at that day. I thought that it might come, but not at that moment. I thought it would wait till summer. I don't know. <laughs> well, but. we're never prepared for these things, are we? Like, I, no, I think we're not, even, we're not. even though I was the one who, well, actually, to, if I'm telling the exact story, I had asked my ex for some space. I told him that I needed just a couple of weeks to myself to just think things through. Uh, unfortunately, he was like, nope, if I leave, I'm not coming back. This is over. And so that was that. But, you know, I don't think that I even, I'm not even sure. Like, I don't think I even led up to it. Just like I reached a a point where I was like, no, that's it. I I like, just like, it's just like, oh, I know. Like, I I don't think there's any coming back from this. I asked for space to think through. And uh, I guess that was to him. He probably maybe heard something differently. Like that's, you know, sometimes we do hear things through our own lens and as um, a man i would hear it differently too yeah <laughs> just just yeah. not to take a side or anything but i would think yeah this is over you don't you don't really want to do this then because yeah. a, a guy thinks or at least i think if a woman tells me she wants space then she wants space to go talk to somebody else or she's trying to figure it out with somebody else and she doesn't want to hurt me or call it cheating at that time yeah and maybe that's my my bro brain thinking too but that's how i that's how i think about it i mean i had three <clears throat> small children at home so i did not have anyone else on the side it was absolutely not about that but yeah i can totally see like i said we all come up with stories in our minds right and so yeah exactly you know it's really hard <laughs> and i always say to people you know you are responsible for your side of the communication you are not responsible for how the other person interprets it and that's the tricky part about communication, right? There's like the delivery and there's the interpretation. And sometimes there's like a bit of a fuck, fuck around in the middle that like <laughs> leads to a whole different thing being observed on the other end. And yeah. that's, that's tricky because, you know, you, I think most people want to communicate in a way that feels loving and 
yet sometimes people are just like really committed to misunderstanding you. And it's, it's not you it can be them. It can be their filters, their perspectives, their beliefs, uh, their insecurities playing out and may not even have anything to do with you. So mm. your responsibility is you at the end of the day, like you're the only person you can change. That was the key thing that I learned, you know, hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Um, I had to stop pointing fingers. I had to step up and decide well, what, what did I want? And funny enough, I was working with a therapist at the time that had me create this list of what I wanted in an ideal relationship. And so I have in my phone notes still this list. And I'll tell you, it wasn't that easy because from where I was standing, I had a list of shit that I did not want. I was real over <laughs> a lot of things in relationship. And I was like, I do not want this or that or this. And she helped me, thank God, uh, to reframe that into something more positive, into the positive state of what I did want to create. Things like a relationship where we laughed a lot, a relationship where we felt daily passion towards each other. We couldn't keep our hands off of each other. And uh, real happy to report 2000 days of still not wanting to keep our hands off of each other. <laughs> um, and that's a habit too. I got to tell you, you know, we just took a family trip to Mexico and we didn't have a damn minute to ourselves because we had these four teenage boys in our in our room with us 24 7 I'm telling you it was really hard because our pattern is not that our pattern like our habit of connecting intimately is like daily <laughs> you know or, I mean it doesn't have to be sex every time okay so I'm not I even think... saying I'm not even saying it has to yeah. be sex every time but like that one-to-one -one time to talk to cuddle, to connect, to just catch up with the day. Like we were missing that like pretty hard <laughs> having these kids there 24 seven. But if you have the habit of always reconnecting with each other, of being intimate when you have, have this possibility. And again, intimacy looks different for different people. So I'm not saying it has to be sex. It can be cuddling. It can be kissing. Um, and whatever that intimacy looks like for you, if there's an interruption in the pattern in that habit, you start to notice and it feels weird that you're not having that time. Whereas mm -hmm. I definitely noticed in my previous relationship that it was weird if we ever had that, because that was the pattern was to not have that at all, really at any point in yeah. time. So it's just, to, just to say, you know, setting those intentional patterns really makes a big difference in your life and really having that time to connect with each other is so important. Having someone who you can be vulnerable with, who you can trust your heart with, who you can cry with, honestly, and someone who's not going to just try and fix you every time because you're not broken. You don't need fixing. You don't always need someone to swoop in and make it better. What most often we need is to be heard, right? And to know that someone has our back. Like a lot of the things that we truly want to share with an intimate partner aren't something that can be fixed. Like it's just an emotion we're feeling. Maybe we're feeling really upset or maybe we're feeling really anxious or depressed or like, I'm sorry, but no one else can fix that for you. But what's mm -hmm. helpful, what does actually help you to feel better is just having someone there saying like, I see you. That's tough, but I'm here for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so some of these things are the things that I had on this list of um, this ideal relationship. And honestly, as I said, where I was like, I don't want a relationship. I don't want a relationship. But I'm, I'm thinking back to this list that I made. And I'm like, dang, like he's checking all the boxes. And um, mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, if you're really intentional about what you want to create, I, I think that like really writing down a list of the things that you wish to create, whatever that looks like for you, really clear communication, being open, you know, having adventures together for me, traveling is really super important uh, for me. And I would not have even known this before. The, the sexual intimacy is really important. You know, there are so many pieces that are important to you. Like 
if you get crystal clear on what those things are, it's much easier to recognize when someone is not it, right? So you do yes, not waste yes. all the time <laughs> in dating all the people who are just so clearly not it, trying to fucking fit a square peg into a round hole, trying yes. to make it work. It shouldn't be that hard. Relationships, like, despite what, you know, a lot of people told us, you know, our grandparents, oh, relationships are just really hard. They just take a lot. Well, if you find the right person, honestly, it gets to be that much more easy. And I'm not saying that life is easy. Life isn't fucking easy. Life, life's all over the place. And it's like up and down and all over the place. But when you have the right partner, that makes those challenges that much easier. And your partner should not be yes. fucking making the waves or making your life more difficult. Uh, that Definitely is not. just a wrong fit. And you know what? That doesn't mean anyone's bad or wrong either. It just means it's not a fit. So if we can get past this whole idea of right and wrong, good and bad and all of that and release that judgment, we can see clearly this is for me and this is not for me. And either way, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I know I'm hitting that hour mark, but I wanted to mention to you yeah. also, uh, you said something that, I, that uh, reminded me of something I asked someone else. Um, I wonder what being with someone who really ticks all your boxes for one another, what that is like. Because a lot of people don't really get with people that are what they truly wanted. They accept a lot of red flags and then they're mad that it didn't work out, but you knew this was a deal breaker for you when you met this person and you still went through yeah. with it. So 2000 plus days of happiness is what you get guys. If you um, <laughs> get the person that fits you and uh, the happiness hussy, she's here to let you know that. Yeah. So yep, absolutely. any final no. words you want to say? It can uh, be, it ahead. can be so much easier. If you don't settle for, and again, it's not that that person is bad or wrong. It doesn't mean you're bad or wrong. And oh my gosh, I will just say too, if you break up with someone, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means it didn't fit. Okay. So please, mm -hmm. please, please, if you're out there and you're heartbroken over something, please don't take that shit personally. It just wasn't a fit. It's making space for you to find the person who is a right fit. And that is a blessing in disguise. And so while it doesn't feel like it, just trust. You know, get clear on what it is that you want so that you can fucking see it when it walks into your life so that you don't pass <laughs> it by thinking like, oh, right. they don't, that doesn't look exactly what I thought it was going to look like. Get, get in touch with how you want to feel it, how you want to experience that connection, because that's so much more important than, I don't know, everybody like, well, I'm looking for someone who's tall, dark and handsome. They've got to be six foot two with dark hair and blue eyes. No, the looks don't matter. Yeah. How you feel in that relationship is what matters. So, you know, stop faking it till you make it. Stop trying to show up and be what you think other people want you to be. Show up as yourself, completely, authentically, wholly you, unapologetic. And you are much yeah. more likely to find the person who's going to vibe with you. And when you find that person, like, you know, you're not looking for someone to, um, like you don't want someone to complete you. This isn't about finding that perfect person to like fill in your, the void in your life. What you want to actually find is someone who completely accepts you for who you are. That is where the magic lies. Well, there you go, folks. <laughs> okay. Happiness hussy. It was nice having you on. I like your insight. You know, you sound very passionate of what you believe in. I love it. Anything yeah. else you want to let the people know where they can find you, listen to your podcast before we let you get out of here? Yeah, absolutely. Check out my podcast, Create Your Happy. Honestly, you can you can visit my website at createyourhappy.ca for that. 
Um, it's pretty much available everywhere that you listen to podcasts, at least all of the main podcast podcast players and YouTube and all of that. And uh, you can find a bunch of freebies, the the sweary meditations. Uh, I have a, a cheat codes ebook for some some little relationship hacks to help you to bring the spark back into your relationship. I have a couple of other free a free chapter of my book, all these things on my website at coachchristyholt.com. If you want to connect on social media, I am a Facebook kind of gal. I am on the other platforms, uh, so you can follow me wherever you hang out. But uh, if you really want to get in touch, Facebook is probably your best bet. And uh, yeah, I think that that is pretty well it. If I want to leave you all with one imparting piece of wisdom, it is this. Uh, whenever in doubt, choose love. There you go. You can find me at Man Cave Media on TikTok, Man Cave Young on Instagram, The Life of Bryce on Instagram, and you can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you coming through. Thank you.